everyone out there thinking about starting a podcast, let me tell you this. When we switched to remote podcasting six years ago, it was a headache. Multiple pieces of software, inconsistent sound quality, and honestly, nearly impossible to bring in guests, let alone record videos. Then we discovered Zencaster. Zencaster gives us studio quality recording, including video up to 4K, and distribution to podcast players that support it. We've consolidated our podcasting efforts, doing everything from recording to publishing in a single platform. And now having guests on has become a breeze. Zencaster is about making the podcasting experience as easy as possible, including local recording, automatic post-production, which we love, and no outside software needed to record, publish, and episode. I honestly cannot imagine recording remotely without Zencaster. So if you're interested, go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code BGA you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. We want you to have the same easy experience we do for all our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 399, our holiday gift guide for 2022. We'd like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode, but especially our brand new Patreon backer, John Christian. Thanks so much, my friend. You rock. All right, everyone. Happy holidays to you. And of course, with happy holidays comes happy board game purchasing time, which is, in my eyes, the greatest time of the year. Yes, wonderful time in which we add yet more games to the shelf. But <laughs> unlike the other times that we add more games to the shelf, we actually have a little bit of time to play them. Ooh. So I always like this time of year because games that I get around the holidays, whether mm-hmm. it's a PAX or as a gift or whatever, I actually tend to hit the table relatively quickly. Sure. I'm like literally any other time of the year so. well duck your shelves with board games of joy my friends because it is that time of year by the time you listen to this episode all of the different websites out there and your friendly local game stores will be having all the board game sales that you could possibly want and especially some of those big box stores because they seem to be getting board games in that are actually worth picking up which is surprising and shocking and reassuring I'm not sure. It's one of those, right? <laughs> all three. It's all three. Let's go with all three. So the holiday season is full of great purchases and great games to pick up. So for our feature review for this episode, we'll be talking about the great games and accessories that you should be picking up this holiday season to play with yourself, to play with gamers, to play with the family, and just generally to have a good time. All right, Anthony, so we'll be talking about that on our future review, but before we get into all of that joy and holly, we want to talk about the joy that we have with one of our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Last week, we did our listeners' top 20 of all time, which uh, is 
predicated on a submission of a top 10 list from dozens and dozens of people um, who participate every year. And so to thank all those people who give us their top 10 lists and help us build our top 20, we give away a game. We pick someone randomly from that list and they get to choose one of the games from the ginormous list of 20 uh, as long as they're in print and we ship it out to them. So this year's winner is Brad. Uh, Brad has sent me a short list of games uh, that he is interested in taking um, depending on what's in stock and where it's available. Uh, and yeah, it was one of our early submitters. So thank you to Brad. We'll be getting you a copy of either Arc Nova or Terraforming Mars, depending on what's in stock. Nice. <laughs> so, Tableaus will be building. Tableaus this- are being built. Yes. <laughs> you can't go wrong with either game. So, uh, Brad, congratulations. And again, thank you everybody out there for submitting us with your top tens, all of your questions of the week, all of the fun stuff that goes on out there. You know, on BoardGamersAnonymous.com, especially on Facebook. I was going to say Twitter, but we don't know if that'll be around much longer. But (laughs) wherever there's social media, wherever there's a podcast player, wherever there's some sort of YouTube channel or whatever else is out there in the world, definitely, absolutely, positively hit us up because we would love to hear about all your great things. And I think, Anthony, we didn't talk about this a little too much, but we should probably also let people know that we're going to be at PAX Unplugged. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's like it's such a, like, just assumed that we're going to be there among us. <laughs> we're so close, right? Like, I, I literally live in Philadelphia. It's a 15-minute bus ride to the convention center from my house. Um, but, yeah, we're going to be there. We're going to be at PAX Unplugged in, uh, like, less than two weeks when you're listening to this. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've already had a couple listeners reach out, mention they're going to be there. Um, we would love to hang out with people. So just reach out. Let us know if you're going to be there. Um, we get a game, hang out, show you around Philadelphia a little bit, find some good food. Uh, the PAX is one of the best conventions that we go to for mm-hmm. catching a game just because there are so many different places and options in the convention center to just sit down and play something. So, yeah, definitely reach out. Yeah, I love that first look section. So. We'll be trying out the new games, and if you'd like to join us, again, hit us up on all our different social media accounts, and we'll be able to get the games at the table with you. All right, Anthony, so that's what's going on with our winner, but we also have some other things that's going on. What's our question of the week? All right, question of the week this week. We've got, what's a game from the last two to three years that you feel has been overlooked and deserves more attention, and why? So... (laughs) Um, we're, we're delving into just a long stretch of episodes in which we're going to give you giant lists of games. So I, I wanted to get the, the listeners involved here, give us their lists of games, um, and some older stuff, some hidden gems. So, uh, we've got a lot of really good answers here. Uh, David mentions dominant species Marine, which, yes. you know, he recognizes as I was about to say that it was our game of the year last year. So mm-hmm. not really under the radar here on this podcast but in general i think it is oh tremendously yes yeah it's it's a shame it's a wonderful wonderful game um tim mentioned space station phoenix as a solid game so like many rio ground games the art was underwhelming but solid mechanics and some unique player interaction nice uh john mentions the magnificent several people chime in and say yes the magnificent (laughs) um a fun midweight euro dice drafting plenty of mitigation um, tight action economy, and it's generally always on sale because they 
must have overprinted it. So uh, I don't, this is, I've had this thought about this game as well. Like it's here on my shelf. It's actually probably going to make it onto my top 100 this year. And something about this, I don't know what it is, whether it's like the kind of dark. Yeah. It's not dark, like dark, dark, like artwork, but actually just brightness is very dark on the cover. Sure. Um, And the theme is a little strange, but not, not in a weird way. I don't know. I think it might just be off-putting to people, or maybe mm-hmm. it's not clear what the game is, but it's very, very good. And the expansion makes it even better. Um, highly, highly recommended. I remember this ye- the year that this came out at PAX Unplugged and being very excited to play this and not seeing a teacher nor anyone at mm-hmm. the table. And I do believe it is because the graphic design is a little off-putting yeah. and not clear about what's taking place. I mean, the board... The board and most of the kind of general board components is just pitch black, and then there's some coloring. I don't mind that. I think that's a really interesting take. I just think that obviously whatever they did was, as you mentioned, Anthony, so off-putting for so many people just of a general audience that no one took a second look at it. They were just like, Mm -hmm. I I can't conceptualize what's going on here. And it is a very abstract theme. It's it's you know it's dice drafting and stuff like that. So uh, I, I think that's again we, we go back to this often is just thematic storytelling gameplay where it's really truly integrated and again mechanically wonderful, but again just just never landed. And again, I think initially this game was very expensive when it first came out, and then like I think you yeah. said. It was overprinted because I think they assumed they had the biggest winner on their hands possible. And I think even I picked this up on sale. Yeah. Well, it was it was really, really hyped coming out of Essen. Yeah. And then Asmodee was distributing and they waited until July in the middle of the mm. pandemic to finally release it here. Sure. Um, which is what they do. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> um, Golem didn't come out for six months. Sure. This one didn't come out for nine months. And like, I know that because I had this on my list for so long and I kept waiting for it to come in stock. And when it sure. did, I ordered it immediately because um, I was worried they'd underprint it, which clearly was a mistake because I overpaid <laughs> for it. Um, but yeah, it's really good. So um, I'm all with you on this one. Everybody who mentioned that in the, the chat with John, Tim, Sam, they all mentioned this is a great game. Um, Vagard mentions Terra Mara, streamlined and pure yet original worker placement game with a brilliant mechanism where players start with a special power, uh, which they at some point in the game will have to sacrifice in order to score the scoring condition on it. So mm. I see this one around a lot. I have not had a chance to play it. Mm. I haven't played it either. That's interesting. I yeah. like that concept. Yeah, yeah, it looks interesting. Um, Shane mentions Chronicles of Avel. Um, Stephanie and Justin both chime in here and say it's a great family game. So it's a co-op family weight adventure game, light enough to play with the kids, but also enjoyable for adult gamers to play solo. Uh, I have a copy of this in the basement. So it's something, uh, it's on the list to get down with the kids. I've had a chance to go through it a little bit and it, yeah, it is very interesting. It's not just like your typical, you know, generic, uh, co-op. Uh, Nathan says, I don't hear a whole lot of love for Carnival of Monsters, but it's been a big hit in my circle of friends. Being formerly into magic, I feel it gives me a small little vibe of that in a quick, fun drafting game, Um, which makes sense because it's a Richard Garfield game. Gotcha. So that's that one. Um, We have Corey mentions Merv, Heart of the Silk Road. Uh, 
this is actually another game that's going to probably make it on my top 100 this year. So I agree. Uh, very tight action economy. You only get nine turns in the game. It moves very quickly, but it just a lot of thinkiness to this one. We played this outside and got rained on a little bit. <laughs> uh, and then DJ mentions Whistle Mountain, a uh, game full of excitement, being able to create your own worker placement locations while also racing to use those same locations before they are destroyed and removed from the game. Um, I, I love Whistle Mountain as well. So you're, you guys are all on to stuff. You know, you like the games. <laughs> These are all games that I enjoy as well. And uh, <laughs> happy to amplify that a little bit. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the last two, three years, the game that kind of surprised me that it didn't get more attention was the Rococo Deluxe Edition. Mm. Because Rococo was such a solid, mechanical, just brilliant card Build, deck building game, tableau building, and it was out of print. And it came back into print with a super deluxe edition by Eagle Griffin Games, which, to be fair, was honestly kind of overpriced. And the box insert was a nightmare, <laughs> too, on top of everything else. But the game is still amazing. It was out of print, and no one could find it, and everyone was trying to find it, and the expansion was like crazy amounts of money. So when this came back out, I was excited because I'm like, oh, we'll be seeing this at the table, and I just don't see it. Mm. And again, I, I think it's because of the price that kind of, you know, it was at the time, which was several years ago, I think it was a 50-some-odd-dollar game, and then when they re-released it, it was like 100 and something dollars. Right. Which I was just like, yeah, I get it. This is what you do these days. But it it came in this giant white box with all these white inserts and stuff like that, which is, again, it's like Takedo when they came out with their super de- deluxe edition box. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with a giant white box? I can't leave the house with this. <laughs> yeah. It's going to get banged, dirty, scratched, bumped 20 times before it, it even gets to the car. I'm just like, oh, guys, you guys are kidding me. So that might be one of those things too. And, and, I, and I think I'll, I'll throw one of yours in too, Anthony. I, I know you mentioned several times. I love Suburbia. I did not yeah. back the Kickstarter. And since it came out, which was several years ago, I have not seen it once at any game night. Not even like I was playing it, like any game night. And again, obviously just because the box is just super huge and you can't just drag that out with you on a whim. Yeah, 100%. That's why mine's still on the shelf. Um, like If you see my office, it's, it's, it's in the top left corner where I can't actually reach it because it's behind my desk. Yeah. I would have to move my desk to get to the game because I'm like, that game's not coming out. I'll leave it over there. <laughs> All right, so here's 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 an, another, I guess, top 10 games, Anthony, for you that we need to do in the future. The top 10 monkey paw games. Right. <laughs> so, you know, the games that you always wish that they actually made a thing like it and then it just backfired on you. So, yes, I, I think Suburbia would certainly be in that class. Yep, I got a few of those. Got a few of those giant boxes. We got Anachrony up there. Mm-hmm. Suburbia's up there. Um, I backed that Castles of Burgundy thing for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Monkey Paw Games. We, yep. That's going to be coming on an upcoming episode. So if you're listening, you're going to hear a Monkey Paw episode. <laughs> or maybe that's a question of the week first. We'll do it as a question of the week first, and then we'll, then we'll do it as an episode. Because I, I think that's one of the... Yeah, I think we need to brush that off at the end of the year and then start fresh. <laughs> right. <laughs> we need to do we need to do some sort of pledge in the new year that we will not back games that obviously eventually we will never get to the table because they're bigger than the table. Right. Yeah. So, all right. 
So thank you all for hitting us up on the question of the week. Our question of the week is obviously our question of the day. So our question of the day, each and every day, all of our social media accounts. Again, hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Chris at BoardGamersAnonymous.com. Anthony at BoardGamersAnonymous.com. And again, at PAX, I'm plugged. You can even hit us up there as well. All right, everyone. So that's what's going on with all of us out there. Anthony, let's get on to the most wonderful feature of the year. It's got all of the gifts that we want to get and put on the shelves and then never play for some strange reason. (laughs) I don't know what we're doing. But nonetheless, it is our Holiday Gift Guide 2022. We wanted to give as much attention as possible to all these great games that you want and need to add to the table or want and need to add to someone's gift list or... Maybe your own gift list. So. <laughs> I'm not saying that you wouldn't do that. I'm not saying that you wouldn't go on one of these websites and just buy everything. And then the next day, oh, I just, I gifted myself to all these games. I've done that. <laughs> and I think we, before we started the episode, we were kind of, I don't know if lamenting is the right word. Probably not. But mm-hmm. waxing nostalgic of, of the days in which friendly local game stores would have, you know, fresh new releases and you had to be there when they opened and the one or two websites, cool stuff, Inc and miniature market used to have all the games. And I think there was one, you know, a handful of other smaller sites out there and they would just do their black Friday kind of extravaganzas, And those websites would crash all the time. And then like you would always have like Simon and Asmodee and a couple of the other companies do their own kind of dump of their games and you try to pick up everything possible. And then every once in a while, Amazon would do their world famous, I guess, queen game dump where it was like, hey, remember that queen game you paid like $80 for? How about it for four bucks? And you're like, I would be stupid not to buy this. (laughs) And that's how you end up with a closet full of queen games. Yep. I remember my closet full of queen games. And then when I moved out and I left the, that closet, I had to decide, do these games come to the next closet or do they go on the curb for people to pick up on their way to the park? There you go. Guess where they went. <laughs> they went to a, a better place, Anthony. Yes. They're, they're with their new families and they're, they're getting some, some table time out there. So, yeah. yeah so those, those were some fun days out there. I, I will admit waiting again, waiting watching the clock trying to get everything things crashing you know carts full carts empty all those kind of craziness but it was the best of times and it was the worst of times but now we deal with i guess generic sales and so your money needs to go a lot further than it used to because you're not going to get these fire sales when back in the day when asmoday was not what it is today all those companies were also producing Similar game type. So you, when you had deck builders, you had 20 deck builders that would just drop. Right. So there were a lot more sales and a lot more competition than there is today. So hopefully this list will lead you right to pick up the right things for this holiday season. So Anthony, with that, let's get started. So first up, Anthony, we have our apps. These are board games that are online. Go fig. Yeah. <laughs> the <Great>. future. <laughs> the future. Um, yeah, I, I almost put the, in a joke in the spreadsheet, just be like Marvel Snap, see episode 396. <laughs> that's right. There you go. Like, no, no, we'll do actual board game apps. There you go. That's what people want. Sure. Um, all right. So I, I started out with Everdell. This was uh-huh. a one that came out in July. It's uh, 10 bucks on the App Store or in the Google Play. And it was designed and developed by Direwolf Digital, which makes some of the best board game apps. 
Uh, so it's uh, it's Everdell as an app. It works pretty well. The the thing that was big about this one, when, especially when it, they announced it, was like, will the cards be readable? Will it be possible yes. to play this game and have the cards zoom in, zoom out just seamlessly enough that you can see everything you need to see? Because that's the main problem playing this at the table. Can I see everything? And generally, the answer is yes. Maybe not on a, like a smaller phone, but on my tablet, this game plays fantastically. So sure. Everdell's become uh, a favorite for me. I played I played it a lot more in the last like six months than I, I think I ever did um, at the table. Excellent. Yeah, I have obviously one of the biggest games of all time that they actually decided to make an app, which is interesting that they did. This is Gloomhaven. It's currently on Steam, and this came out late last year. But obviously, being that's Gloomhaven, it takes forever <laughs> to, to get the, to get to any significant point in the game. Now, we've talked about apps a lot sometimes, and most times, in fact, that they, they have a lot of failings. But one of the great things about app board games is that they do all the upkeep that really you know bogs down a game. So Gloomhaven has a lot of upkeep and a lot of setup and breakdown. So the Gloomhaven app has a brilliant system of just like showing you all the different options that you have, the pathways you have. It's been highly rated and rewarded. And it's something that you should certainly check out whether or not you've played Gloomhaven before because Gloomhaven is one of the best games of all time because it is, and it's something to check out. And again, if you don't have a huge game group or you don't have that crazy kind of money to drop on a game like that, this is certainly something to check out. Gloomhaven. Yeah. Uh, next up for me, I have Role Player. Um, this was originally released on Steam. Uh, you can get it for 15 bucks back in September. And then just recently, in the last couple of weeks, it came out on iOS. And you can play it across all the devices now. So... Um, role player, of course, famously a dice manipulation game in which you are building your role playing character. Uh, and they've finally, in the board game format, taken that next step and made it so you can go through the actual adventure with that character. But in the app, you're still just building the character. Um, but because of the way the app works and because of how seamlessly you can move back and forth between the different items and the way the dice are laid out, it plays very smoothly, very quickly. It looks fantastic. Even on a phone, everything's fairly legible. Um, you know, it's it's relatively new. I've not played it quite as much as I have Everdell yet, but I've had a lot of fun with it and it works quite well. So that's role player. Nice. Well, something that obviously inspired by board gaming is an, an app on Steam that I've played a lot. It's it's available on Mac and obviously for PC, this is Summoner's Fate. This is a deck builder game with some kind of tactical, not necessarily miniatures because it's obviously a little bit of a, turn-based video game kind of aspect to it but really the main part of the game is you get a summoner and you've heard of all these before (laughs) they get a summoner and whoever knocks the other summoner out wins and you do that by putting together a deck that's made up of the cards particular for that summoner and obviously stuff that you get to pick up throughout the game so it has a campaign mode to it where you can fight with the ai to get some special abilities and upgrades and cards throughout the game and then it also lets you do little tactical skirmish games just on the side. So this is a lot of fun. I put a lot of hours to it. I've been pretty surprised. It's easy and accessible. It has that kind of like in between like Monster Train and, you know, Slave Spire and a lot of that kind of Ascension kind of, uh, yeah, it's got a, a lot of those kind of classic 
kind of deck building games that you kind of put together. This way you have a deck available for you on hand. And that is Summoner's Fate. All right, Anthony, so let's get out of the digital realm and let's get to the family table. What do you have up for us? All right, so uh, we received a copy from Cosmos of their Exit the Game Advent Calendar. Uh, this is the Hunt for the Golden Book. This is the one, I believe it was released last year in Germany. Uh, it's available here now. And then there's a new one as well um, that's also available. But in this game, it is, uh, it's an advent calendar, right? You're going to open one door every day throughout the month of December. And there's 24 different pieces of this overall puzzle. Uh, the goal here is you're trying to find Santa Claus's golden book. So you have to find it before Christmas or he will not be able to... Uh, know who to give Christmas presents to, right? Nice. It's, it's kind of silly, but the kids really, you know, dig, dig the concept. Um, each day you open one of the doors and there's like one little puzzle in there and it's builds out this larger story across 24 days. So you could rush through it like you can with any campaign, or you could use it as an advent calendar as it's intended. And you can open one a day throughout the month of December. Each of these little, you know, puzzles takes, a decent amount of time. Um, I, I'd say you could probably complete like the easier ones in 20 ish minutes, but some of them can take you up to an hour similar to the, the exit games as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, so being able to carve out that much time every day to go through, you know, the whole puzzle really depends on how good you are at puzzles and how many people you have working on it. So if you do this by yourself, maybe not something you'd want to do every single day. Maybe you clump a few together on the weekend, but fantastic way to build on the uh, exit formula. A lot of fun and just a really cool holiday game because there are so few good holiday games. Um, if you dig Exit or Unlock or any of those and you're looking for a Christmas oriented or holiday oriented game, um, Exit the Game Advent Calendar. Uh, very cool. Nice. Well, when you play with family, it's good to have a mechanic that everyone knows and Yahtzee is a mechanic that everyone knows. But if you're playing with the family, it's also very helpful to have a co-op game at the table so you can walk everyone through each and every step. So a uh, new release that's coming to everyone's store is King of Monster Island. This is the King of Tokyo slash King of New York, but in a co-op version where everyone at the table is fighting the King Monster. So basically what you're looking at is all these different lava monsters that are popping out of the volcano and they're sending out little minions and you and everyone at the table are cooperating to knock out the big baddie in these different scenarios that come up. So different monsters, slightly different scenarios, same kind of baddies, but a nice, good cooperative to play to get family into a King of Tokyo game. Fantastic. Um, all right. So the second one for me in the family category is Chronicles of Evil, which was recommended to us by some of our Facebook followers and listeners. Um, this game is so good because it really captures what makes dungeon crawls fun and it streamlines it and keeps it moving quickly for families. Hmm. So you build out your character, you give them a unique name, you get your own equipment, and then you go through the game and you're constantly upgrading, constantly finding new stuff. Every time you succeed, you're going to get prizes in the form of new weapons and armor and potions and gold and other special stuff. Um, you work together. It's cooperative, of course, but you're constantly doing things. So it's, it's not, which solves one of the big, problems that i have with adventure games where you move around and don't do much um but it also keeps the kids engaged so it's a fantastic family-oriented take on this it's very colorful it's bright 
a very fun, uh, creative fantasy world. So Chronicles of Avil. Nice. Uh, a cute family game in the sense of little cute creatures. It was recently fulfilled on Kickstarter and they are retail versions out. This is Flamecraft. This is the story of all these little cute fantasy dragons that are working in the lo- local towns and all of their different magical abilities allow the shopkeepers to produce goods and complete contracts. So basically, the game itself has you completing the contracts by utilizing hand management for all these cards for the, the different dragons, and then picking up all the different possible resources that you can. It's utterly adorable and as light as you expect it to be. So something cute, something light, something for the family, Minecraft. All right. All right, so that's our little family section. Anthony, let's get on. Let's do some party, man. Party, party. Um, I cheated a little bit because I don't play a lot of party <gasps> games. So <laughs> I took a game that feels like a party game, even though it's okay. more of a full board game, and that's Libertalia, Winds of Galecrest. Okay. Um, this is a game in which you will draft all these pirates and you capture treasure and you're building up your little... I mean, you're just trying to get treasure across these various days, right? That's basically all it is. You're trying to get as much into your chest as you can, but you can stab each other and mess with each other a little bit. It's absolutely the kind of game you could play over beer and pretzels and just hang out and watch TV and have a conversation while you're messing around. Not a ton of thinking necessary to play this game effectively. And the upgrades from Stonemeyer make it prettier and more interesting. So Libertalia, Winds of Galecrest. Nice. Well, during these difficult times the the one show that kept me uplifted was ted lasso and thanks to our (laughs) friends at funko games who have sent us a review copy for ted lasso party game you don't think of ted lasso as a party guy but the party game is the fact that you are all cooperatively working to help each other out deal with the trials and tribulations of life and of football so the game is a lot of contract completion you get a set of cards, you play them to different locations, and you try to help each other out in order to try to get as much morale as possible. A nice little fun game to get together at the party table. Nice. Uh, so uh, next one up for me is So Clover. This is a party game. This is an actual party game. I'm not, not cheating <laughs> this time. Uh, I'm so mad. <laughs> I know. That's why I do it. Bring it. Bring it on. Um Anyways, this is a cooperative word association game. It was nominated for the Spiel des Jahres. Um, it's on Board Game Arena. You can try it out. But you're going to get a keyword. You're going to write down some common features on a clover board. And then people are going to try to guess the keywords of each other to see how many points you can all get. Similar to Just One, it's cooperative. So you're all working together to solve this puzzle and find the words. And that's fun. So, so clover. It's a, it's a blast. Now, when you think party games... There's a lot of party games out there, but I can't tell you how many times you get a party game to the table. And for some reason, maybe because there's a party going on, like literally a party going on, that it's really hard to sit still, listen to the rules and get, you know, everyone focused at the table. Micro Macro Crime City. This version is all in. This is the new version for 2022. It's a standalone expansion. You don't need any of the games. You don't need any of the knowledge. You unfold the giant, I, I guess, time map on the table where it's both past, present, and future. And then you have some clues to the different crimes that are occurring. And then 
All you need to do is instruct everyone to look at the giant map of the town out there and find whatever criminal activity might be going on related to that particular card, and that's it. Literally, that's it. And look, it's more of a game experience than it is a game, but if you're going to seriously get a game to the table during the holiday season or, you know, even New Year's, where people are a little tipsy or a little not focused, you put the big map on the table and you go find Waldo, and that's pretty much it. So... Micro Macro City, Crime City, any any of the versions of this is good. The new one is all in. Something you should definitely check out. Yeah, it's a blast. All right, Anthony. So you had a party. It was great. But you know what? Sometimes it's it's all about solo time. So what do you have for our solo games? Yeah. Yeah. So once you kick everybody out. That's right. Um, and, you, and you go to relax. And, <laughs> and then you can play some real games. Dark corner of the house by yourself. Uh-huh. <laughs> All the introverts out there, you hear me. You understand what I'm feeling. Uh, so there's a new Oniverse game out this year, Stellarion. This just came out just about a month ago um, from Shadi Torbay, uh, famously of Onirim, and still, uh, Sylveon, and Natilion. There's This is now the sixth of those that's in print, and there's a seventh one that's been out of print forever. Um, and by the way, all of them are back in print right now from Asmodee, so you can get all of these games. Uh, this one in particular, though, it's brand new, and you are the director of an observatory and you're looking at all these different planets and stars and everything and trying to organize your decks accordingly to go out and observe, to explore them. Um, it's a deck management game. It's very similar to a Friedman free solo game where you're just trying to remember where all the cards are in all of the different decks. So it's a bit of a brain burner and yet mechanically it's fairly straightforward. Um, like all Oniverse games, there's a bunch of little mini expansion things you can build out with. It's, it's a blast. So if you enjoy Pure, pure solo games designed for just one player. Um, Stellarion is absolutely worth checking out. All right. So looking at the solo games, one of the my most anticipated solo games was a Kickstarter that recently back from Van Ryder Games. This is Final Girl. Uh, this is recently got to backers and getting to the table. And again, this is about the popular trope in movies about the final girl, the one survivor of and in this version there's a number of different campaigns that focus on a particular threat monster demon murderer slasher kind of person and you are the final girl and you are trying to avoid and attack and push back because that's what final girls do they're hardcore so trying to take out all the bad guys trying to survive the monster that's coming and again this is a really great system that's based on hostage negotiator and it upgrades it in so many different ways so if you love horror movies if you love being the solo hero to your own adventure this is great for you awesome uh next up for me is twilight inscription you know that game i made fun of for the first half of the year (laughs) uh but guess what it's actually pretty fun uh it is a roll and write game in which if you're playing with the full complement of players which is up to eight it takes forever but Solo, I've knocked this game out in 45 minutes or so, which is long for a roll and write, but Mm -hmm. perfect for a Twilight Imperium roll and write. Um, You have multiple player sheets in front of you. You're trying to manage these different things from warfare to expansion to industry and navigation. You go through a very large deck of different cards and all these different events that are going on. All of the characters or races that you can play are asymmetrical. So there's a lot of replayability here. 
Um, it's not the absolute best Roland ride I've ever played, but it's the one I've had the most fun with this year. And it's 100% worth it, even if you're not a huge fan of Twilight Imperium. Well, one of the games I talked about not too long ago was a Kickstarter that I backed and got to the table, played it with people, played it by myself, and realized that Verdant, the game about houseplants, is best as a solo game. This is a game from Flatout Games with the artwork from Beth Sobel. And it's a beautiful little tiny puzzle game in which you're able to match rooms together with plants of all different varieties from around the world. And based upon all those matching, you score points. And again, it's a puzzle game. It's And any great puzzle game is a solo game at its heart. So Verdant, great little solo game to get to the table. Fantastic. All right, Anthony. So that's every time and every way that we get games to the table. But let's talk about bringing someone to the table with us. Let's talk about our two-player games. All right. So uh, Rift Force is a game that came out last year. It actually launched around PAX in 2021. Um, we got a chance to play it over the summer. It was a lot of fun. It's kind of like battle line-ish in which you kind of compete for these different locations. Um, and you're drafting four of the ten different guilds with have unique powers out of the box, right? Pure two-player game. They recently released an expansion, Rift Force Beyond, which adds in options to play from one to four players and adds eight new guilds. So a lot of replayability. The result is you have a fairly deep two-player game that takes 20 to 30 minutes. It's a quick dueling-style game with a lot of things to keep track of because every possible card you play has a different impact on the, the game space. A lot of fun, very quick, easy, easy to teach. I've played it with both my 7-year-old and uh, 11-year-old with no problems, um, Rift Force. All right. Well, thinking about two-player games, and as you mentioned, Anthony, earlier, Marvel Snap, which is all mm -hmm. about laying cards in three different locations. Hey, you know what? There's a board game that already did that. This is Air, Land, and Sea, and recently a new expansion came out for this. So actually, lots of expansions came out for this. The most recent one is Spies, Lies, and Supplies. Now, if you don't want the realistic kind of military version, there's also the QT version, which has Critters at War. I'd probably recommend that one because it's cute, and it's a great little two-player game. And basically, in the game, you have a hand of cards, and you're laying the cards out to different locations to win those different battlefields. And certain cards go with certain battle locations. And again, all the different expansions kind of mix it up and add more to it. It's a great little two-player game. Air, land, and sea. Awesome. All right. Uh, another game that I discovered actually last year at PAX. Uh, that Time You Killed Me. Uh, this is a two-player only game from Panasaurus in which you and your opponent are each time travelers time travelers trying to erase each other from history. So you're trying to prove I'm the one who invented time travel. And I know that because the other guy doesn't exist anymore. Um, it's an abstract game. It looks a lot like chess in some ways, but it has all these different modules that you can mix in. Uh, the main thing about this game is that there's multiple different timelines that you're playing through. So when you take an action on one board, it trickles down to the other boards, depending on which modules you're playing through. So it is almost quite literally multi-dimensional chess right <laughs> um but it's a lot of fun it has all these different scenarios there's a campaign mode there's a king of the hill style approach to it um it isn't just a pure abstract strategy game it can really bend your mind a little bit uh so that time you killed me a lot of fun if you're looking for chess on steroids <laughs> nice well again another great two-player game for couples is fog of love and in this version the new expansion version 
Love on Lockdown. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever experienced a lockdown, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know where they come up. That's right. (laughs) I don't know where they come up with these crazy, crazy expansions. Well, Fog of Love is a cooperative kind of competitive card game where you're trying to meet each other's needs. And this is the latest expansion. They have several expansions that are a tremendous lot of fun. This expansion in particular, I think, is kind of fun and neat because it really takes the theme into play. Because obviously, while other things are about a more romantic sense, this is more about you being with your partner kind of locked away. So there is a, a lot of like boredom aspects to dealing with that kind of relationship, a lot of apathy <laughs> that you have to deal with, dealing with the situation, and can your relationship survive? You don't need a partner to play this with, but if you find anybody, friends, this is a really fun dynamic game. Definitely something you should check out if you haven't before. Fog of Love, Love on Lockdown. It's our first lockdown game that you can get to the table. (laughs) All right, Anthony, so that's all the two-player stuff. Now let's get into the games that we typically get to the table. Let's start off with some of our lighter fare. Lighter fare number one is Michael Menzel's newest, The Adventures of Robin Hood. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a game I got a chance to play with my uh, children over the holiday break last year. And we've come back to it a couple times this year. Um, But it is a pure, pure adventure game. It's cooperative. You're playing through an actual book, like a hardbound book that walks you through these different adventures in uh, Nottinghamshire and... uh, it's Robin Hood and Friar Tuck and Little John and everybody you know from the, the classic tales. Um, it uses a, a couple of very clever mechanics in terms of like your movement based on these meeples and how far they can go. And it's constantly adding new content to the game. Uh, as a story game, it's been fantastic. It really builds on kind of the core mechanics of what Legends of Andor does, but in a format that's even more family friendly. Um, than that game was. So if you're looking for a great family game, if you're a fan of Robin Hood just in general, uh, this is a fantastic, light, cooperative uh, strategy game. The Adventures of Robin Hood. One of my favorite games of all time is Mysterium. The idea of being this witness, in that, that case, the ghost, and giving out clues in order for the investigators to figure out what's going on, where and when and how and all that kind of stuff kind of takes clue to the next level from our friends at Funko games uh, who provide us a copy. We were able to play rear window. This was the Hitchcock movie with Jimmy Stewart in it. It was all about this murder that he was witnessing from across his rear window into the other apartment. So a lot of intrigue and detective work goes on here. It utilizes a lot of the Mysterium aspects here because you're the director here. You're witnessing as Jimmy Stewart did all the different elements and aspects of this mystery that's unfolding. You get to play cards out into these particular rows, the particular days to kind of show off the story so that other people will be able to figure out the mystery in front of them. That's rear window. All right. My second light game is one that we reviewed last week. Star Wars, the clone wars. I've heard of this. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) We played this a week ago. Um, This is Pandemic with Star Wars, but even a little bit lighter than normal Pandemic, which is not a particularly heavy game. Uh, You are going around the galaxy, you're getting rid of the battle droids, you're trying to complete these various missions, and you're trying to do it all before the threat level gets too high. Um, 
very familiar for anybody who's played Pandemic before, but enough tweaks, enough adjustments to make it interesting, engaging for Star Wars fans, and a little bit more accessible for people who have not played a big, you know, brutal, difficult uh, cooperative game before. Star Wars The Clone Wars. Nice. So going from my murderous rear window city view to more of the pop and fun and beautiful, bright, colorful game of Streets. Streets is a game from our friends at Sinister Fish Games. I remember backing this game and being really excited for it. Villagers was so amazing. And I wanted to get something, again, that I could get more people to the table. So basically, you are creating these different streets of different businesses and organizations and different people from the town come in and visit that based upon colors. And you score those different streets based upon the special abilities and the scoring opportunities for those different buildings. So tile placement to cooperatively but competitively build up all these streets. And then there's a lot of special abilities that you can start the game with. So you could have your own builder, so to speak. Streets is a fantastic, fun you know, medium light kind of game, and it's just great to get to the table. All right, so there we go from our light. Anthony, let's take a step deeper. Let's talk about our medium games. All right, uh, so when we're talking about medium games, one of the best designers around right now is Fabio Lopiano. Uh, we talked about Merv, the Heart of the Silk Road earlier. That was him, mm-hmm. and his most recent game, not counting Autobahn, which just came in the mail like a week ago, <laughs> is Zapotec. Uh, Zapotec is a game in which you're building pyramids, cornfields, and villages throughout three different locations, uh, valleys around the map, and you're trying to generate these different resources. So um, you're trying to balance these different elements, build the pyramids, generate resources through this little tableau that you're building in front of you uh, based on the tiles that you've taken in. And there's a lot going on here, despite the fact that the game only takes a little over an hour, which is kind of what Lopiano is known for, (laughs) managing to take all this complexity and boil it down to 60 to 90 minutes, often on the lower end of that. Fantastic, fantastic game. Really makes you think lots of replayability as a result. Uh, And uh, I've been having a lot of fun with this, both solo and and two-player over the last few months. Very nice, very nice. Well, in the Beamweight style, obviously we love getting those games to the table that have unique and different kind of play styles that are very thematic. I want to talk about Gutenberg. We reviewed this earlier this year. It's all about the printing presses way back in the day. And basically what you're doing is you're auctioning for different aspects of the printing press, which you can get into letters, you can get into contracts, you can get into colors, you can get into different patrons that come into play. And it's a really fun, different way of utilizing an auction kind of mechanic. But also at the same time, you have a little rondelle, which you're able to move around and and activate special abilities throughout the game. Some really fantastic components as far as the letters are concerned just really kind of brings you back to what it must be like to actually put together that kind of old-fashioned printing press together. It's a fun little kind of Euro game and great to get to the table. That's Gutenberg. All right. For uh, for me, the next one is the Guild of Merchant Explorers uh, from AEG and designers Matthew Dunstan and Brett Gilbert. Uh, This is a blank and write-ish type of game, right? You are flipping cards and placing uh, cubes on the map to connect various locations. So you're you're exploring out in this kind of fantasy world, and you're trying to uncover uh, various things on the map. So there's towers you can find. There are 
uh, trade routes you can build. There are hidden treasures you can find sunken in the water or up in the mountains. Uh, you get bonuses and extra points as well as coins for completing locations, which is like exploring all the different types of terrain in a, a given block. Uh, very, very replayable because the cards are going to come out in different orders. The special abilities you draw from the deck will be different each time. And the game plays relatively quickly. Um, this game plays from one to four. It's best at like two or three. Very light. Takes about 45 minutes. And I've been having a blast with this one. So the Guild of Merchant Explorers, if you're looking for a medium, it's, it's a little above light, but I'll call it medium for our purposes. <laughs> um, weight game, that's the Guild of Merchant Explorers. Well, I have a medium that's a little towards the heavy side, but still the medium size. This is a game I just mentioned earlier. This is Rococo, the Deluxe Edition. This was the super expensive kind of Kickstarter kind of backed game from Eagle Griffin Games. But now it's in retail format. You could pick this game up. And again, it utilizes some wondrous card mechanics in order to kind of build up your tableau, take actions on the board. And it's all about this extraordinary, extravagant time in the Rococo area. We're all about dresses and jewelries and fancy parties and fireworks and fountains and statues and everything like that. It's a gorgeous game. It really celebrates the holidays. This would probably be a wondrous game to get on the table for New Year's because it has that beautiful party aspect to it and it's got a nice bit of crunch to it as well. That's Rococo, the deluxe edition. All right, Anthony, so that's the medium stuff. Let's get on to the heavy stuff. What do you have up for us? All right, so I have uh, gone back and doubled down in a game called Carnegie. <laughs> this was a, <laughs> a Kickstarter from early in the year. Yeah, uh, and last year, actually, it's 2021. And they launched it on Board Game Arena the same day as it went up on Kickstarter. So mm -hmm. I actually played it several times, but mm -hmm. at the time I was saving to buy a house. And so <laughs> that's it was not... That's how expensive game. board games are these days. I know, right? <laughs> Can't back that game on Kickstarter. I got to buy a house. Um, so House, Kickstarter, house, Kickstarter. I don't know. Uh... Kids could sleep in the box. It's, <laughs> you know, it's not like they couldn't sleep in the box, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So... Which is weird because like I knew I would love this game. It's you know Xavier Georges has worked on Twa, Black Angel, Gangopolis, Carson City. All these are great games. I like mm -hmm. all of them. So I was not surprised that I liked Carnegie. Um, artwork by Ian O'Toole on top of everything else. Just sure, hands down, all the things you want, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I have gone out. I've gotten a retail version of the game, and I've played it several times since then. And it's a game in which you are building out and expanding and trying to manage both. Like there's the the financial end of it you know andrew carnegie was a big um industrialist in the 19th century but also a philanthropist right so you have to balance out where you give away your money as well um so you're going to recruit and manage employees you expand your business you invest in real estate produce and sell stuff and create transportation chains but also you have to be generous and give things away because that's what carnegie is at least now best known for um it's uh a lot to the game. You're building out your own tableau of these different departments that you pick up. You have this map to manage. Um, there's 20 rounds. You have this option to follow other people's actions. There's a ton of stuff going on. It's not the heaviest game that you'll ever play. We have heavier games that have come out this year, some of which we'll play in the next couple of weeks. But Carnegie is just a, a very solid representation of just tightly tuned, well-designed Euro game. All right, so on the heavy side of 
I guess, getting games to the table. One of the most celebrated games of the past year is Ark Nova. It's a tableau building game with a wondrous deck of animal cards, and you're building this nature preserve zoo in order to best serve the animals, all these different set collections that you're able to put together, and you're also building the actual habitat on a little map. So you're able to score special abilities and, and gain you know money and points throughout the game. Everyone knows everything about Ark Nova, but what you may not know is it was super expensive when it came out, but at this time and several times over the last, I guess, two or three months is it's been, you know, fairly inexpensive. It's been close to about half price, surprisingly enough. So if you've been on the fence about Ark Nova, if you heard a lot about it and haven't gotten to the table yet, check it out and maybe even pick it up because it's definitely worth your time and money these days. All right. Uh Next up for me is another one we reviewed last week, Sky Mines. Mm-hmm. This is the updated in-space version of Mombasa that came out from Alexander Fisher this year. And it is very much Mombasa, right? <laughs> but <laughs> now you're on the moon and you're mining all sorts of different uh, resources there. Uh, so you have the same programmed card uh, placement mechanic. You have the same kind of multiple companies trying to control the space on the map mechanic. But you also have a campaign mode and you have a solo mode and you have bots that you can throw in for lower player counts, like a lot of new mechanics that are thrown in here as well. Um, Sky Mines is a fantastic game, um, as Mombasa was, um, but now, you know, with a more palatable theme and also a bunch of additional material and content thrown in on top of that. So well worth checking out. Relatively reasonable in price as well for considering everything you get in the box. Sky Mines. Nice. Well, speaking of everything you get in the box... Ultimate Railroads. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not reasonable in price, though. <laughs> <laughs> but it's everything you get in the box. Yeah. So Ultimate Railroads is the Ultimate Railroads game. So we're talking Russian Railroads, German Railroads. I don't know. I think it's American. Is the American track in there as well? Yeah, everything. <laughs> okay. American track's in there, and the Asian track is in there as well. If you ever loved any part of this game, it is all available for you all at once. So this is wonderful. Great to get the table all in giant one box. And now finally the way to score the most points possible, especially on solo mode. So yeah, check out the ultimate railroads. All right, Anthony. So those are all the heavy games. Let's get to my fun stuff. Let's talk about some of the expansions out there. Yeah. We love expansions around here. Um, So for me, the best expansion I played all year, maybe for you too, Mm. uh, is Dune Imperium Rise of Ix. Hmm. This adds a bunch of new stuff to Dune Imperium. We get uh, three new great houses. We get technological innovations uh, from yes. Planet X, technology track, just in general. Um, you get Dreadnoughts. You get the epic game mode on top of everything else. There's just a bunch of stuff here, right? Um, it didn't really fix the one major problem we have with this game, with just the market, but it added so much other good stuff to it and added depth and complexity and interesting ideas and concepts and decisions to make um dune imperium like i've owned it for a while it's a game i enjoyed but with this expansion it's a game i really really like now nice yeah that did, it did a lot for the game so another great expansion that came out not too long ago and, and I, what i feel like is an essential expansion is the lost runes of arnak expedition leaders this allowed some asymmetrical gameplay you got your own leader and that leader came with a special ability or special abilities 
that allowed you to play the game slightly differently, slightly in a little more effective manner. There's also additional cards added to the game and some additional boards and stuff. But primarily the game is about having a particular way to play the game that's different than the standard kind of play your cards, move up a track, and get special things. Like, it adds all so much to the game, and it's really a lot of fun. So, Lost Runes of Arnek, Expedition Leaders. All right. Uh, next up, I have Marvel Champions, the card game, Mutant Genesis. This is the fifth campaign expansion for Marvel Champions. And uh, we get X-Men, finally. We've been asking for this for several years. <laughs> And it is like, yeah, it's like 90s X-Men. Um, so this expansion comes with Colossus and Shadowcat in the box. And you're yes. going up against Sabretooth, Sentinels, and Magneto. Okay. So, again, that we got seems... some 90s stuff. <laughs> um, but they also release at the same time, like the day that came out, you could get uh, Jean Grey and Cyclops. And then since then, they've also released uh, Wolverine. So <laughs> getting all the X-Men, and they sure. all come out relatively close together. If you love Marvel Champions, this is a no-brainer. But even if you're not into Marvel Champions, maybe you're not like an Avengers fan, but you like the old, you know, classic X-Men from the 90s. Um, this is pretty good. It's a pretty good expansion. Uh, there's multiple scenarios here and uh, you get the pre-built decks to come out of the box. The game is very quick and easy to set up. And this expansion really. I wouldn't say it adds a lot to the game, but it's just a lot of fun. Nice. Well, an expansion that I was really excited about when it was on Kickstarter, this is mars alien invasion that came out this past year and again it takes on mars which is again a upper high level kind of crunchy vitalis serta game with you know tool artwork and it adds a kind of of campaign mode and you get to follow a little bit of a story arc and in each of the different sections different types of gameplay takes place that matches up with the story Plus, there are aliens. There's an alien invasion yes. going on here. <laughs> and honestly, like I always love the Unol Tools artwork, but the artwork on the box, the artwork, the graphic design here is outstanding. So I think a lot of people liked On Mars, but felt it was a little too dry. No pun intended. But this does you know, something more for it. This does something that I think is substantial. And I think eventually you won't play the game without being able to play or wanting to play the expansion here. So that's on Mars alien invasion. (laughs) All right, Anthony. So before we wrap up all the fun stuff, we want to talk about some great accessories that we were able to get to the table this past year. So I want to talk about a review copy of dice that we got. Uh, This is from metallic dice games. Now we talked recently about, rpgs and getting back into all that fun stuff and any rpg or knows is that you have to have good dice at the table otherwise you don't get those good rolls and you just critical fail throughout so i was able to try out a selection of dice here this is engraved cat's eye aquamarine dice these are wonderful stone dice that you're able to get to the table they come in as you could hear a nice little plastic case which with the dice really high quality dice nice to get to the table you got to have dice. I'm just telling you. That's It's like Magic at the Gathering where it's all about purchasing all money for cards. When it comes to role-playing games, it's all about the dice and getting all the great dice possible. So that's for me, Anthony. What do you got for you? All right. So I I didn't forget that I pre-ordered this, but <laughs> I, I almost forgot because it's been a while. Um, like a 
Kicknesia, right? Just yes, <laughs> Kicknesia. Yeah, that's that's a apt way to describe it. Yeah, um, the <laughs> giant neoprene game mat for War of the Ring, which went up for sale, I, I want to say a little over a year ago. I think I pre-ordered this last December, maybe November. Um, they originally were planning to release it in April, so it made sense. I'm like, yeah, I'll pre-order this. I'll get this in a couple months. And it just came like two weeks ago or last nice. week. I just sent you the picture. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's a game mat, which is fun. I love game mats. I have a bunch of them. But it's for War of the Ring, especially, which is my favorite game of all time. Mm-hmm. It's 50% bigger than the normal game board. So it is about the same size as the deluxe game board. Nice. Um, which is a bit unwieldy to carry around. That deluxe game board comes in two pieces. They're giant. They don't fit in the box. I don't bring it with me places when I take the game out of the house because I don't want it to get destroyed. Sure. So having this, which is now rolled up in this very nice tube, I can take it with me. Also, with all the miniatures that come in this game, you now have a neoprene mat where they're not going to slide around or fall down as much. Um it's available now for pre-order again because they sold through that first round. They sent out all the pre-orders, um, but they have 500 or so in stock for the February shipment, if you're still interested. Uh, if you love War of the Rings, it's probably already on your radar, but there's for certain games, those game mats just add so much to it. So I'm really excited to get it out. I, I don't know when I'm going to get to play this game again, hopefully in the next couple weeks uh, with the convention coming up. But it, this will absolutely be on the table when I do. Nice. All right. And finally, I want to talk about, again, this is a little bit of a throwaway. But recently, in yet another move, I've had to pack up my collection yet again. And one of the things that kind of fell out of the closet was an old collection of Plano boxes. So Plano boxes back in the day were the thing. Because how did you pack up your game components and then how did you have those game components on the table? Plano boxes was, at the time, the best solution possible. Over time, get, having game components at the table was always difficult, right? You, the Plano boxes sometimes were too big. They didn't separate. We looked at you know cups and bowls and cupcake holders and just endless numbers of different dice trays and things like that. I talked about this a long time ago. I didn't mention specifically what this exactly was, and I picked this up on Amazon on a fluke. This was just silicon pinch bowls. So the benefit here, unlike some of the other kind of, you know, formulizations of like how would you put your bits, these little pinch bowls are a little bit lifted over the tape off the table, so they're easy to get to. Again, they're silicon, so they're flexible, they're not going to dent, they're not going to crinkle in any kind of particular way. They're going to stretch. They're going to bend. And also they're perfect because, again, they're pinch bowls. So the idea of being able to put two or three fingers in there, pick out the game components very simply, very easily. And, again, since they're small, you can get a whole bunch of different colors. I love to have these little pinch bowls, the right color of the right components, so you can take a look and say, oh, exactly, that's that's exactly what I need. And typically, and I played this with a lot of games they fit almost any game that I've played with so far. They seem just deep enough to fit the game components. So just a little something to pick up to get your great games to the table. All right, everyone. So that's everything for our holiday gift extravaganza. Hopefully you have an opportunity to get some of these great games to the table with your friends and family, and we'll be able to talk more about that next time. So, Anthony, until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. 
and we'll save you all a seat at the holiday table. Take care, everyone. Bye.